Father, we just thank you for the ordained time for this called together group of people ordained of you. Father, we set ourselves for the week ahead to receive, to hear your voice, Lord, to receive understanding and wisdom, to receive impartations of strength in the Holy Ghost, impartations of abundance of grace. And I thank you, Father God, that this time ordained of you shall contribute to the completion of the work that you have for us, to the maturity of our soul. And Lord, I thank you, Lord God, that we shall rise up stronger than before as a result of this gathering. We have expectation of the Holy Ghost to be all that we would need you to be to us. Thank you, Lord God, for what you're going to do. You've begun to work in us. May this moment in time contribute to the completion of the work you've begun. Lord, I thank you for everyone here. Lord, as we worship together, as we hear your word together, as we fellowship together, knit our hearts together in love. And for your purposes, Lord God, and I thank you for it, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. You can be seated. Dale, would you want to say anything or should I just start? We are set for a tremendous week and appreciate everyone in their service and their many hands to the work. And I appreciate the spirit of love and fellowship that we're all going to enjoy. And get your catchers out, get your ears open, be ready to receive what the Spirit of the Lord has. And uh, thank you, Pastor Bill. Amen. We're ready to receive. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, I want to uh, begin. Uh, the theme, as you would have seen, is the call of God. And the uh, Lord spoke that to Dale. And uh, I don't know if you remember Dale, but I taught class in the Bible school in a call of God. <laughs> but you're getting fresh bread. Amen. I don't keep records of what I preach, except for other people. But uh, to force my and a reason for that is to force myself to seek the Lord fresh, not just have warm ups. If you have a choice between fresh cooked meal and warm ups, now there's a few things warm up pretty nice. <laughs> but I want to just begin with a, a statement that I'm going to make every day, and it sort of sets the stage, and that is the call is to the heart, and grace is to the call. The call is to the heart, and grace is to the call. So we're going to be speaking to, to all of that. I know Dale's going to be sharing on the lines of the, I don't know what, what you're titling it, but the, the anointing to fulfill the call, or the, the grace to fulfill the call. So to, to, with whatever calling we have, there is a grace or there is a gift of God. There's the anointing of God to be able to fulfill that. You don't get an anointing to do something somebody else is doing. You need to know what you're called to do and, and then draw in the spirit of God, be filled and expect for the release of that which it would take to fulfill that. God would be unjust if he'd call you to do something and not give you the tools to do it. And you know, I used to do construction work, 
And all construction workers have this little uh, passion. They like to collect tools. You'll see them in Home Depot where Pat hangs out, right? He's still working. And it'll come in there, and if there's some, like, advancement of a tool, everybody's like, mm, yeah, and that's a hot sale item, right, Pat? You, uh, yeah, so con- people that build things when I have the tools. You know, and I'll tell people, if, yeah, sometimes you encounter people, they're, they're not so sure about this Holy Ghost and tongues thing. I'll say, well, think of it this way. Let's not get off in the weeds here. That's a tool given by God to enable us to do his work and his will. Why wouldn't you want all the tools you can get? It's like, well, yeah. <laughs> Amen. So we're going to address the heart relative to the call of God and address the, the, the anointing, the grace, whatever term you want to use, what it would take to fulfill it. Because one thing to know what to do, it's another thing to be able to do it. So we're believing for all that. I expect we'll all be challenged and empowered. And in the days we're living in, you need to be stronger than before, not weaker, not less courage, but stronger than before. And that's only going to come by the Holy Ghost and by the power of the Word of God penetrating our heart and, and strengthening us. So, you ready? Amen. Now, let's see if I can click over in like a teaching mode here. I've been more preaching the last three months because that's what was needed. So if I get a little preachy, I'm just in normal mode right now because of what's going on around us. We need impartation. It's good to have understanding, but we need something imparted in us that brings the strength of the Spirit of God that we're ready to go out and face whatever the devil's bringing, not cower down and bow down to some man but to bow down to the Lord Jesus Christ and rise up strong, go forth in the power of his might. Ephesians 1, 17 and 18 is where I'm going to start here, where it says, you know it, the, the Paul's prayer for the church at Ephesus, that the Spirit of God give wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, that the eyes of their understanding be enlightened to know something. The hope of his calling. The hope of his calling. So as we speak about calling, we need to understand off the bat that has to be revealed by the Spirit. You you can't just do something because somebody else is. It's a revelation by the Spirit of God. So Paul's praying. Now, there's some other things. I'm not, this isn't really my text, but I just want to set the stage here that expect for more to be revealed to you. And for some of you here this week, the Spirit of God might say to some, in fact, I know that he's going to, that it's time for you to step up into another realm or step into a, a, a further place of the calling of God on your life. Because as we all move on together, there's times other people need to step up and take a place in God. And many times because a you know, leader dies off or maybe they backslide or whatever, and somebody else has to step up. The U.S. military trains uh, the men and women that you know the, the responsibility and authority three grades higher than you. So if somebody in battle dies, you're, re- you're ready to step up and take their place. You know, a lot of other militaries, they don't do that. You're afraid to step out into anything. But there's times somebody has to step up. I remember uh, Dale s- sharing something with me some years back. I have no idea how long ago it was. <laughs> Maybe you remember. 
But some of the great men of God we looked up to had gone on to be with the Lord. Now, we're the old men. You know, when, when some go on like that, somebody else needs to step up or there is a void in the vacuum. And it may be that there be some, even if it's one person here, I don't care, I can preach to one, that needs to step up into the call of God and, and be a part of the, the work of God being done because it's not about us achieving something. It's about his church being built. Well, the eyes of our understanding being enlightened and open to know something, the hope of his calling, and the word hope here is an expectation of his calling. You know, God expects some things relative to his callings. He expects something. And, and this message I want to get into here in this session is the threefold call of God. And just laying a foundation for everything else we'll be getting into. Threefold call of God. Did you know there's a threefold call of God? Well, we'll look at the Bible. That's where we get stuff like this from, right? Well, now somebody else's book, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, lays out the three aspects of the call of God. 1 Corinthians 1 1. Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God. And Sosthenes is our brother, with him at the time. Called to be an apostle. Apostle's not who he was, it's just what he did. We are called to do a work. That's one part of it. It's actually, uh, get to that more later. Paul identified himself as a servant of Jesus Christ. Apostle's just what he did. Those of you in ministry, you cannot find your identity in what you do. Or there's a pride that will immediately correspond with the degree you're doing that, and it will take you down. Our identities in Christ and Christ alone. As you go on 1 Corinthians chapter 1, he begins to speak of the fact that division came in among them, and it's because they had identities apart from Christ. Oh, I'm, I'm of Peter's camp. I'm of Paul's camp. I'm of Apollo's camp. God forbid we do that. We're identified with Jesus Christ. He's the only one who saved us. Now, you have other identities in life. You have identity in, in a marriage. You have identity as a family. You have identity as a church. But the point is that that should never preempt or, or supersede your identity with Christ. And the same on the corporate level. Under the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. You're called to be something. Called to be saints. With all and every place calling the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then down at verse 9. God is faithful by whom you were called under the fellowship of his son Jesus Christ our Lord. You are first called to him. The spirit of God is calling people to come to him. Now. The unsaved, they don't know him, but, the, but there's this yearning, this emptiness. And all of you experienced that before you came to Jesus. You know there's something more to life than just the carnal realm, the material realm. You have a sensing a, a, about God, wanting to know him. He made the way possible to come to him through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the Spirit of God is working to call people to him. You are first called to a relationship with God. 
Now, this might sound like very, this is overly simplistic, but if we miss the most basic things, you'll never understand the things that follow later. Your first calling is to fellowship with God or share and partake the life of God through Jesus Christ. That is your first calling. And anyone who tries to do the work of God beyond the relationship they have will fail. I don't care how gifted and anointed and how many miracles and supernatural you have, if you begin to operate in that realm and you don't have a a continued deepening of the relationship, it's going to fail one way or the other. The probability is more so with pride. Because you'll start thinking you're somebody and won't be able to clearly see it's the Spirit of God working through you. To, to, To understand the reason why. We have to know his heart. Sometimes, I've seen over the years, you'll have people, they get a little puffed up in their mind about their calling and their anointing. And they get to a place in that pride where they're willing to destroy a church because they think they need to be promoted. That man or woman does not know the heart of God. Period. They don't know the heart of God. I don't care they can sing the most beautiful love song about Jesus. They don't know him. Because if you to know him is to know how he loves his church. And right on here in Ephesians 1, he said, we would know the riches of the glory of his inheritance. You know what the father inherited at the death of his son? A people. We inherit heaven, all of the kingdom of God, love, joy, peace, and he gets us. Now, from a business perspective, I think he got a raw deal. But, you know, he didn't. He got what he wanted was a people who would know him and submit themselves to him and allow him to live in us and live his life through us. He got what he was after. We didn't even know what we were after, and we got more than what we would have even thought. Well, we're called first into the relationship. Many a man or woman doesn't get into the depth of the relationship with God. They learn about work and anointings first. And I'm telling you, pride always comes in on the heels of that kind of thinking. Or you'll get out beyond where you have the character to keep you. You know, a gift can take you where character can't keep you. And I remember as I began to understand that as a young minister... Pray, Lord, don't, don't anoint me in any way that's going to take me out to where my character can't keep me. What good is it to do all this, that, and the other, and then to fall and disgrace the name of the Lord? What good was all of that? It's all in vain. So we seek him, the relationship with him. A person who really has understanding is always going to point to that. Somewhere, I don't care what you're preaching on, you're going to point to that. Love Jesus. You know, Jesus saying to, to uh, Peter, if you love me, feed my sheep. He didn't say if you love the people, feed them. You know, sometimes you, don't, you might not like the people that you love. <laughs> oh, my But how can you not love Jesus? Really, you have to love the world. Something else has to capture your heart. The cause of the heart. 
out of that love relationship with him and knowing him for who he is. That provides the full motivation for all we're going to do, and it always needs to be the motivation. So that's where we keep a pure heart. So I trust every one of us are growing and developing in our relationship with God. I've learned, I, I've learned what to listen for with people over the years. I listen for things. Sometimes what someone doesn't say alarms me more than what they do say. If I'm hearing people who who've, know the word and you know, know the Lord, but they're never talking about, yes, I was spending time with the Lord and he ministered this to my heart. That alarms me. Now, if, if you don't have a very uh, close relationship, I don't expect someone to say that. But if you've had times of real fellowship, and, and you know there's a trust and all of that, and there's never any of that that comes out of someone's mouth, something's wrong. Something's wrong. Because to walk with him, he's going to speak to you. He's going to challenge you. He's going, you know, he's, he'll continue to reveal himself to you. And for us to not speak of those things or not want to, which is that's what real fellowship is. Real fellowship's not the new sports and weather. It's that which gives life in Jesus Christ. And the word he ministers to you gives life. Sets you free. So we, we continue, we never stop with the relationship side of it. Actually, we get deeper and stronger. You know, when people begin to get too busy in ministry, too busy in ministry, there's, there's three areas you'll cut on. Your time with God, your time with your family, and your time for your own welfare and health. Where else are you going to take the time from? These imbalances cause people a lot of problems. So we need to have a, a great commitment and consecration relative to our time with the Lord. It's very, very important we do that. There's no shortchanging it. If you try to go out and do more and more and more based on less and less and less of where the life comes from, you know, that's where you'll enter in, you know, back in the 80s. Man, if I could have had a Benjamin for every time I heard, burn out, burn out, burn out. Being I was talking to a bunch of ministry people, I'll just go off on this little rant that I used to go to a lot of different camps back in. You probably did too. And uh, there was no Armada yet. And there was a lot of different camps. And back in the mid-80s, Every pastor's meeting. They'd be talking about pastors falling into sin. What are we going to do? You wouldn't believe the numbers of anointed men of God that fell in the 80s. Mid-80s to late-80s. I remember the the, the Tulsa boys talking about it in the mid-80s. I thought, what are they talking about? What are you talking about? It wasn't happening around here. 1988, I knew six men of God, anointed men of God, fell into sin in that one year. All the pastors meetings, everybody be talking. You know, how for not that not to happen? Say, oh, you need more vacations so you don't burn out. I let them talk a little while. My wife would get nervous because she, she could see I was, my blood pressure was going up. I'd have to say, not to be arrogant or anything, but the, the Bible says, Jude says, God's able to keep us from falling. 
the only way and guarantee not to fall is that you stay connected to him. Therefore, I need more of Jesus. The people are not my problem. If I have any need, it's more of him in my life. And I became unpopular. He was not the guy anybody really wanted to invite to such meetings where they wanted to commiserate on all that kind of garbage. Where were we? Verse 2. <laughs> I said I've been preaching. Now I'm getting a little preachy with you. Just bear with me. I'm not apologizing for it, but i just warning you. We're called to be saints. We're called to be something. We're called into something, fellowship with God. We're called also to be something. To be a saint. Well, uh, who's a saint? You know, if you have any kind of religious background, especially Catholic, oh, Mother Teresa was made a saint, wasn't she? I think she did some good stuff. Being a saint has nothing to do with you being a good boy. Nice and good does not mean a whole lot to me. Oh, they were a nice person. Anybody can learn to act nice. But we'll see what comes out of the abundance of the heart. It's not about nice. It's about letting the Spirit of God do a work in us where he is purifying us to be a vessel for honor, a vessel to be used from, of him. We're called to be saints. Now, in called to be saints, the word saint is a short version of to be sanctified or holy. Holiness and sanctification, it's the same word in the Greek. Hagiosmos, I think it is. And hagios, just to be holy. He's, he calls us to holiness, to be sanctified, which means to be set apart, all for him. You know, that's part of our calling. In, in uh, 1 Thessalonians 4.7, it says we are called to holiness. Or sanctification. The verses prior to that says it's the will of God to possess our vessel in sanctification or being set apart for him. For those of you with any Pentecostal-rooted background, maybe a few of you here, back in the old days, you were Pentecostal. Any of you? <laughs> what was it they all said every meeting? Save, sanctified, fill with the Holy Ghost. Save, sanctified, fill with the Holy Ghost. You remember now? If you went to a Pentecostal church back in those days, you heard that every, every, every meeting. Save, sanctified, and fill with the Holy Ghost. And the Pentecostal movement came on the heels. Here's history lesson time. This is free. Came on the heels of a holiness movement in the 1880s and in there. And that was the foundation. Then the baptism of the Holy Ghost came forth. Now, they made some works out of it and had some, you know, flavors that weren't exactly right. But the basic premise was right. Saved. You, you, you come to him in the relationship and you're saved. Sanctified. A work of the Holy Ghost by the word of God in your life. Set apart for him. For him. You see, where holiness people, so to, to use a phrase, got it wrong. And some of your backgrounds, you know, like in the Mennonite and all that stuff, they were just looking at 
being separated from the world. They only had half of it. And they had it in the natural, not by the spirit. It's separated unto God. His purposes, his will being done, that you're set apart for him. And because of the fact they didn't have that part of it, it just became religious outward nonsense. And then people, you know, get their eyes open to grace and they say, well, this isn't right. You know, they weren't all wrong. Where God moved over the centuries, people weren't all wrong. But problems would come when they didn't have all the truth. So the sanctification is a word that was dropped in the charismatic movement altogether, I think. I don't know how much I even heard it in the Word of Faith movement. It's not even preached that much anymore, but it is a vital part of the Word of God, a vital part of the work of the Spirit. He is working to separate us, and He actually expects you to do that. The hope of His calling, His expectation of what He calls us to. He calls us to a relationship. He expects you to come to Him. He doesn't say, yeah, it'd be nice if you stop over and visit. He expects it. He expects sanctification for you to separate yourself, for he paid a great price to save you. He's worthy. You know, we sing songs to that effect. We've been redeemed by his blood. He purchased us with his blood. He owns us. He has the right of expectation, and he expects us to separate ourselves unto him for his purposes. So Romans 8.28, if you consider all this, you can get a correct interpretation of that, that all things work together for good to those who love God and called according to his purpose. In, in, in hearing the call of God in sanctification, it's to his purposes. He has a purpose for your life on earth. He's calling you to separate, to commit, to consecrate to the thing that he ordained for your life. To glorify God in, in your life. He, he's, he's called us to this. Now, if you have someone who looks at the call of God and you just look at the work, and you don't have the sanctification side of it, you will not have the consecration and commitment it's going to take to see it through. And you'll be a quitter. You'll end up in the ash heap. Well, I hate quitting. There's no quit. You know, when I, we had our school and I coached the, the boys' basketball teams. We were a tiny little school. We played these big schools like these ones over here in Lancaster. And they thrash us. <laughs> yeah, I had just enough kids to field a team. You know, they pick, pick out from 50 kids, pick out their 10 best. We'd get thrashed most of the time. But I'd tell our kids, I said, listen, you don't quit. You give 100%. I don't care how, what the score is. You give 100%. You give your best. And if you do, I'll buy you pizza on the way home. <laughs> you know what they say, the way to the, the man's heart's through his belly. What well, works for boys, too. And so sometimes, maybe it's the fourth quarter, and we're losing like 42 to 5. And there are second and third strings, and I say, listen, we're going to set a goal. 
We're going to outscore. I don't care if it's their second or third string unit. We're going to beat them. We're going to outscore them. And just to instill you know, the no-quit thing. Because to me, you know, athletics with kids can be used to teach certain life lessons. And to me, that's a big one. You don't quit. You don't quit. You don't quit. Especially you don't quit on God. Well, consecration and a commitment to his purpose, you are, you are completely set aside for that thing. That's when all things are working together. For those who love God, who've heard the call of God in the relationship, who love to come to him and meet with him and know him and praise him and serve him, who love that. And who, who answer the call to the purposes of God, which is what you are sanctified or set apart unto. Again, we have to be able to throw aside these wrong ideas about holiness. It's not about outward and all that. And I know you all know that. But sometimes there's residue. Of stuff. If you grew up under things, there's residue. No, it's about a consecration. Do you know Romans 12, 1 and 2 shows us how to have church service? What should that consist of? People come up with kind of their own ideas sometimes. Well, church should be like this or church should be like that. Well, let's look to the scripture. He says, come present yourself a living sacrifice. And then to have our minds renewed or to be transformed by the renewing of the mind. So we come and worship him, and worship's not just singing songs, but we give our heart to him afresh. We consecrate ourselves afresh because of who he is. That's what I'm doing. Sometimes people don't understand what, what actually should be happening in it. We're, it's a consecration through our praise, through acknowledging who he is, what he's done. Consecrate myself afresh. Thus, you need to go to church every week. Well, you're a pastor. I expect you to say that. Not all pastors believe that. you know that? We gather. We come to give God something first, not to get something. We come to minister to him and to consecrate. We say, Lord, I give you the very best that I have, me. My soul I present to you. My body I present to you. You tell me what you want me to do. I consecrate myself afresh. But if time passes and you don't do that, your heart can drift over to something else very easily, very quickly. We need that. Sabbath wasn't made for God. It was made for man, Jesus said. In other words, you need to do this. Well, do what? Consecrate ourselves afresh. To continue to renew our heart in the call to sanctification. And we are presenting ourselves unto the Lord for his service. And then we need to hear the word because we are changed by the word of God. In fact, Jesus said, Father, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And one of the, the things the ministry of the word should be doing in the, by the spirit is continuing to separate. As it says in Hebrews 4, 12, it divides between the things of, 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 the, of the soul and, and, and the flesh. We need those things cut out. On an ongoing basis. 
I've already preached you know, stronger messages, and I used to ask my wife, Donna, was that okay? Was that too hard? Or... She said, it was fine for me. <laughs> well, she welcomes that. Do a little Holy Ghost surgery on me here, Lord. It's not a matter of, I was saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost once upon a time. We understand we need to be filled daily. Well, the process of sanctification is an ongoing thing as well, and that's part of the calling of God. And if we won't respond to the Spirit of God to call us unto himself to be, to be yielded in service to the Lord, or sanctified, set apart from the world, but unto him for his purposes, we won't stick it out to the end. And you could say, well, Pastor Bill, what's your vision? I want to stand before Jesus and hear, well done, good and faithful servant, knowing I did what he's called me to do. That's, what I'm, that's my goal. That's what I'm shooting for. To serve him all the days of my life, no matter what, on this earth. Keep looking to the things that he has ahead to stand before him and then enter into heaven. And, and he can surprise me a little bit there. I don't need to know everything about heaven. He shows us a little bit. He has some surprises ahead for us. But to, to be able to, to, to know that you've done his will, you've pleased him. See, that's, that's the consecration of our hearts, just to please him. Lord, what would you have me to do? We should never allow ourselves to be compared to other people. You have your call. There's something God's expecting from you. I find it's enough for me to keep my nose in my own business, keep clean, because it takes all of my attention to do what I need to do. I don't need to be minding everybody else's business. If you want to make your business my business, well, then I'll, you know, in love, share with you, know, be part of it. But I don't go looking to know people's business. <laughs> oh, Yeah. Well, we're called in a relationship. We're called into the sanctification or being set apart as saints, sanctified. Our hearts pure, the holiness of God. Or we could say we're, we're permeated with the character of God. We go down in the chapter, and then you, know, then you have the, uh, the whole element of uh, the work of God. You're called to a work. We're called to do something. So you're called to a relationship. You're called into sanctification or to being set apart for his purpose. The voice of God is going to be, when you say a calling, we're talking about the voice of God. Somebody hearing from God, you know, Lord, I want to know you. He's calling you. I, I, I want to reveal myself to you. I, I, I expect your consecration, your sanctification. And then there's a work to be done. Now, many times, some of you are younger, many times the younger, I'll say man, but I don't mean to exclude ladies, the younger man wants to jump from the relationship to the work. I see it over and over again over the years. Jump from, well, I know, I know God usually not as much as they think they do. I know God, now I'm going to be something. I'm going to jump into that. 
we cannot jump past the work of sanctification or we will not be able in our heart to maintain and sustain the ministry. And I don't care how many, what anointing or gift comes in with it, you won't be able to sustain it. Satan will set you up and take you down. You know, he speaks there in chapter 1 about you come behind in no gift. You know, gifts of the Spirit are part of the tools, but they do not verify your spirituality. Don't, you know, get all ooh nod because somebody has an experience or a manifestation. Praise God for it. It was for his purposes. But that is no reflection on their spirituality. You might say, well, how can you say that? Well, you just keep reading. Chapter 3, he called them a bunch of babies. Because they have envy and strife and division. They're a bunch of babies. They need to grow up. But you come behind in no gift. Now, here's the thing. As we partake certain gifts and anointings, which we, we want to do, we need to do, we have to grow in our character and mature, or the very thing we think is going to be a blessing will take us down because it can bring pride. It's very, very important. I remember there was a nationally known ministry, and this is probably 20 years ago. And I was always blessed by this brother, his books, tapes, saw him in person, had been to heaven, you know, and stuff like that. And he uh, was coming into my city, and they were wanting to do a, a joint meeting. And I told the brother, said, oh, boy, I'm sorry, I can't completely hook in because I have a guest coming from... from uh, actually France, he was from India, uh, coming that same time, but I'll try and come over to meetings, you know, we'll announce it. So anyway, I'm, I'm over at this other church in our area, I'm sitting there, and this brother, who was so used to the Lord, and I admired so much, I'm going to speak verbatim here, he said, and, and now what he said was, all the five-fold ministry must be in a local church or it's not a church. That's false. But then he says, I, that's a quote, I must be right. I have a church of 800 people in a Bible school. I must be right. Less than a year later, I hear he's not, he fell into sexual sin. The Lord appeared to him many times. Take him, you probably know who I'm talking about. Appear to him, take him to heaven. Great preacher. But you start thinking you're somebody. Because of the anointing or the work that's being done through you, it will not be long you're going down. Satan will see to that. So in the continued consecration, and sanctification, we keep our heart and our motive pure because we're just looking at Jesus, not at ourselves with Jesus, but we're looking at him. And we stay humble before him, and we keep on that course and that path to serve him all the days of our life to the end and to fulfill the call of God, to be finishers of, of, of the call of God. You know, there's many who answer the call. There's few who finish. I'm determined I'm going to be a finisher. And, and, and I say that a lot so that, you know, the Holy Spirit can minister that to whoever's hearing. 
That's a determination we need to have. I'm going to finish. I'm going to fulfill. I want to see what God had for my time on this earth to be brought to pass. And then beam me up, Scotty. I'm ready to go. <laughs> well, as we go on down into uh, down around verse 26, he begins speaking of, you see your calling, brother, not many wise after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Now he's speaking here of being called unto the work, which we have the record of in Acts 13, separate Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I've called them. See, there's a time you're walking with him, you're obeying him, and there's times then where there's a time of separation unto a call. And sometimes the Lord can't take people any further than what they've already been because there is a lack of humility or the work of sanctification, I just want to see God glorified. So he says he's chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Say it's with me, there's hope for me. <laughs> the base things of the world. But he goes on to say that no flesh should glory in his presence. Now here's the thing. And I want to say something relative to the times we're in right now in moving into the very near future. And you probably heard people prophesy or speak of great miracles in these end times. And I believe that. I embrace that. However, I don't believe it's going to be as 1948 and there's these ministries that everybody's, wow! you know but whosoever will simply live for the glory of God having their heart been sanctified set apart just to do his will for his glory and will not touch the glory because if we touch the glory see God's is not going to share the glory and over the years I've heard over and over again different uh, men of God some who did touch the glory and they'd share don't do what I did because the anointing would lift right off of them. And they, they rude the day. They begin to let some pride come in. I was in Port Harcourt, Nigeria one time as in the late 90s, I guess it was. And there was a young man after the meetings. He just wanted to speak to me so bad. And I said, well, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll sit with you. So we, we sat and he tells me the story how God used him to raise someone from the dead in his village. And it would have been a, a primitive village area. And the whole village gets saved. And, and he had heard preaching like Brother Ema and his face jacked up, you know, and he was used of the Lord. And he starts to cry and he's telling me, God's never used me since then. I pray for people to be healed. Nobody gets healed. Nothing happens. He's, he's telling me, and he wants to know what's wrong, what's happened. And, and I just spoke to him, his brother, you've, you've touched the glory. God's not going to work anymore until you, know, you get this right. I never saw him again. I don't know what transpired, but he really wanted the answer to that. And... Over the, the years, there's so many people receive anointings, they're here, they're gone. 
the days we're living in with social media, the opportunity to touch the glory is greater than it's ever been before. Now, that can be a, a, a tool to share what the Lord did. That's good. But I think it, I don't know, Dale, maybe you would remember this. If it was Brother Roberts or Brother Hagen, I think it was Brother Oral, that's, the Lord appeared to him and said, if you don't stop the people from praising you, I'm taking you out of here. Was that Oral? If you don't stop the people, because people are very inclined to worship other people, and they don't even realize they're doing it. I mean, that's back 1 Corinthians 1. Oh, I'm a Peter, I'm a Paul, I'm a Apollos. And they get in division about it. And we have to be very careful. No flesh glory in his presence. It says here, Of him are you in Christ Jesus, who of God's made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, redemption, that according as it's written, he that glories, let him glory in the Lord. So as we let the Spirit of God deal with our heart and we respond to his call to to sanctification, holiness, living for his purpose, living for the glory of God. I throw all that together to try and create one thought, image in our mind. Then we're in, we come into a place where the Lord can use us in that powerful way and it be sustained. Because he will not share the glory. He will not share the glory. Let me finish by going back to uh, Jeremiah chapter 9. Because what Paul is speaking here at the end of chapter 1, he gets from Jeremiah uh, chapter 9, verse 23 and 24. My iPad blipped off for only <laughs> for a minute there. Uh, I love these verses. Thus saith the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might, nor let the rich man glory in his riches. But let him that glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord that exercises loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth, for in these things I delight, says the Lord. Glory in this, I know the Lord. You know, sometimes when, when we gather and there's certain ministries represented with strong anointings, you can feel intimidated or inferior. Or you hear someone with this, like, wild testimony. You think, well, what's yours? Well, I grew up in a Christian home, and I, and I never went off into, I didn't become a drug addict or a thief or a prostitute. Uh, I don't really have much testimony. Oh, you have a great testimony. You didn't backslide. You stayed with the Lord. That's even better than sinning and getting delivered out of it. But sometimes people can feel a little inferior or intimidated. And you hear someone, maybe some wild stories in the Lord. You have something you can glory in. The ground's level on this one. That you know God. You know God. You don't have to have traveled the world and see people raised from the dead. If you have, praise the Lord. You don't have to do that. I know the Lord. I know the Lord. And you're allowed to boast that I know the Lord. And it's only by His grace. It's only by His Spirit. I know Jesus. I know the Lord. Would you like to know about Him? Let me share with you. Let me tell you something about Him. I know about Him. 
Oh, you tell me what you know about him. Oh, we know the Lord. You see, that's where we can glory. And there's a purity. We know the Lord. We don't boast in what we've done. We don't try to top each other with testimonies. You ever around that guy? Somebody's, you know, your testimony, Tom, somebody got to top it. I remember Dale once, Randy, you were with me. We went to Nigeria. There was another pastor, his wife, and he had a teenage daughter, like 16. I don't know. Whatever we would be talking about, she'd come up with a story to top us all. I'm thinking, this girl's not old enough to, you know. But she felt she had it. That was just her personality, you know. She got to one-up you. We don't have to one-up each other because it's not about us. It's just about him. It's about Jesus. Let me finish with one other thought. I, I use it all my time up here. I want to use it all up. This is right. I said it back 15 minutes. No. <laughs> Second Corinthians 12, 1. It's not expedient for me, doubtless, to glory. I'll come to visions and revelations of the Lord. One of the things I'm expecting in these times we're living in is visions of heaven, visions of the Lord, the ministry of angels, the supernatural deliverances. We don't have to be afraid in this time. Let's expect God to be greater than the stuff that's coming at us. There's all kinds of garbage. I, I'm, like, I'm, more, I'm excited about the days we're living in, Pat, because I'm just expecting more. Protection, angels, deliverance, visions, visions of heaven. My reading over the years where there's been a lot of persecution, a lot of times people in those places are given visions of heaven more than anywhere else because they need that. They need to know what their destiny is. Everything can be failing around them. But I have a destiny, heaven. I'm going to live for God and go to that place. And Paul says, I know a guy. 14 years ago, whether he was in the body or out of the body, I don't know. He's talking about himself. Down at verse 6. He says, for though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool. This really jumped out at me recently. To glory in what the Lord's done in our life, where we're touching the glory, is to be a fool. That's, again, you know, all you preachers probably said this before. Oh, the donkey thought they were praising him when he's, Jesus is riding in on the donkey. And that really is how we're being if we think it's us. It's all about him. And he says, I'll say the truth now. I forbear lest any man think above me that which he sees me to be or hears of me. And he speaks about the, uh, the uh, thorn in the flesh, which was devil stirring up people to follow him around and stir up trouble. That was his thorn. He wasn't sick. That was his thorn in the flesh was stinking devils following him around. And he says here, I'm not going to be a fool, touch of glory. And I don't want anybody to think of me above what they see me to be or hear of me. And sometimes people want to be seen above what they really are. 
And one of the great traps of Satan is status. People, especially men, want respect. Women want to be cherished. I'm generalizing. Women, your husband wants you to respect him. Guys do something to earn it. It's not deserved, it's earned. And out of that desire to be respected, people will attach ministry with it and want to come in, who did the biggest miracle, the loudest prophecy, the biggest church, or whatever else, because it represents status. Some people use that with money. Well, everybody see I have the most glorious house, the most exp- I have a Lamborghini, I have you know, whatever. It's status. And that drives a lot of people in the Christian world or in ministry, they're trying to gain status. And Paul, when he said, I count it all but dung, he's talking about his status. I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. I was the tribe of Benjamin. He laid all that aside. No status. He's living for the glory of God. And what's he say there in Ephesians, Philippians 3? I just want to know him. See, right back to this. I just want to know him. I'll glory that I know him. Not in the, the things that happen in my ministry. I'm going to glory in him and knowing him. So the threefold call, he's called you first to him in relationship. And we all can glory in that. And it's a level field. Your position, your gift, your, nothing like that really affects. It's all the degree that you pursue him. He's called us to sanctification or holiness, to be set apart for his purposes, that our life's completely given to him, and now everything can work. And then comes the call to work. Now, that's a lot more where our focus will be the rest of this week. But I wanted to lay this foundation. We'll get into the work side, and we need the anointings to do it. But if we look at those things apart from this foundation, we can easily develop a wrong thought and actually hinder ourselves and hinder the Spirit of God from working in us. Amen. Hand the ball off here. Hallelujah.